0: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works.
2: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and there's Jerry over there. And um, this is Stuff You Should Know. Stuff You Should Nizzo. (laughs) Uh,
1: I'm excited about this one. This just feels like classic Josh and Chuck. I think so, too. Tuk-Tuk's going to make an appearance. Mm -hmm. Tuk-Tuk might make sweet love, Mm -hmm. which is always fun.
2: Sure. Watching Tuk-Tuk? Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We like to watch. He's surprisingly tender.
2: (laughs) He is. I'm sorry to all the third graders, or actually more to the point the third grade teachers who are standing there right right. (laughs) now at the head of class.
1: They're like, oh, what happened to the Neanderthals? Perfect for the classroom. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, this is very uh, – I thought this is very cool. I love this. We've talked a little bit about <clears throat> Neanderthals in the past and Homo sapiens and uh, Dennis Snovans and <laughs> – that's right, right?
2: There's an extra N in there, I think.
1: Dennis Yeah. Dennis Snovan
2: sounds like a dude. <laughs> <laughs> like he manages an ice cream factory.
1: Right. Snovan. Dennis Snovan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, this is good stuff, though. So, let's – Let's treat everyone. <laughs> so,
2: all right, we'll do our best. Now you learning. put the pressure on. So Neanderth- Neanderthals, it really, so the pre- correct pronunciation is tall, by the way.
1: Yeah, I had a teacher point that out. I remember very specifically in the, uh, in the ninth grade.
2: Right. But when you're being correct, you're actually speaking in old German, not even modern German. So, it's really just a question of how you want to say it. Either one's acceptable.
1: No, I mean, the pronunciation would (laughs) still be that in modern German.
2: Neanderthal. Yeah. Okay. Because I saw it spelled T-A-L, too.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, let's get rid of that H. Okay. I kind
2: of like it. I like how it looks, but I think it's up to the individual to say tall or thal. Okay. But the correct way is Neanderthal. Right. Okay. And Neanderthals, I'm probably going to just switch back and forth if that's okay with everybody. That is our way. Not to make a big deal out of it or anything. But, um, Too late. <laughs> Neanderthals, uh, or Thals, depending on who you are, <laughs> they were a, a species of human beings, of humans. Uh-huh. Like, if, if you think about it, Chuck, you, Jerry, me, mm-hmm. everybody
1: out there. Sometimes uh, Noel.
2: <laughs> yeah. Same species. Yeah. One species of human. That's it. Like, you just don't really kind of think about that. But if you dialed back a little bit, if we got on the Wayback Machine yeah. and went back just like 40,000 years, there'd be at least one other species of human running around on Earth. and They would be the Neanderthals. Tals. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we didn't even know that there was uh, another such thing as another human species mm-hmm. until the 1850s.
2: Because there was a 40,000-year gap separating us and then.
1: That's right. So uh the very first fossils of a Neanderthal Uh, was found in 1829 in Belgium and then again in Gibraltar in 1848. Mm -hmm. But they kind of were just like, oh, cool, look at these old bones. Yeah. Wasn't a big deal.
2: Watch how easy they snap on my knee. Right.
1: (laughs) They didn't know what they were. No. And then in 1956 in Germany, something pretty significant happened. Uh, They found some pretty substantial fossils.
2: I think a whole skeleton, actually.
1: Yeah. Well, they definitely found a whole skull. Um, Mm -hmm. This was in four or five feet of clay in a limestone quarry cave. Uh, in a site called Feldhofer, <laughs>
2: I'm so glad.
1: And this is in the Neander Valley near Dusseldorf, <laughs> <laughs> and this is where it all comes around. If you hear the word Neanderthal or tall, um, T H A L in Old German means valley, mm-hmm. and so the scientific name Homo Neanderthalensis means humans from the Neander Valley.
2: Yes, because that's all it means that's where the first one that we realized. Um, wait a minute, this is. This isn't a cave bear. This isn't like some some dead person. This is a, a different species of human.
1: Yeah, they saw that the what we now know is classic Neanderthal. <laughs> uh oval shape that that big thick low receding forehead and yeah. brow. Yeah. Uh very thick bones. This uh that was brought to the quarry foreman and he said it's a cave bear. <laughs> I guess he came over from uh Alabama. <laughs> right. Uh, but he said, but I do know a teacher and a guy who's really into fossils. His name's Johann Karl uh, Fulrot. Thanks. And here, you can have these bones. He got them, did some uh, impressions. He went,
2: what? <laughs> uh,
1: did some castings of these and sent those to Ermann uh, Schaffhausen, <laughs> a professor. I don't know why German is so funny to you.
2: <laughs> I don't either, but coming out of your mouth, it's like... It's just hilarious.
1: (laughs) After all these years. Yeah. uh, He's a professor, was a professor of anatomy at the University of Bonn, and they both were like, hey, this is significant because Mm -hmm. this ain't Mm -hmm. no human, uh, no homo sapien, right? but it's a human. Right. We think.
2: Right. It's some other kind of human, some other kind of hominid that we just didn't understand before. That's right. So they presented their findings to the world. They said, look at this, everybody. Get a load of this. And there is an immediate problem with Neanderthals. Yeah, there, there's. So this is eighteen fifty seven when they pre- yeah. presented, presented their findings, <clears throat> and that was before on the Origin of the Species. So before Darwin, it was like God created all this. Right. Uh, God created you. God created the panther. God created the monkey separately. Like all of this stuff was all separate. Right. And then Darwin came along and said, "No, all this stuff is actually related and if you trace everything far enough back, you're going to find a last common ancestor between two things that don't look anything alike." Yeah. Um, including humans and apes. And so this was before that. So it didn't fit into the Christian creation story. Right. But then even after Darwin came along, it just so happened that Neanderthals were discovered and analyzed in and it was realized that they were a different species of human at a time when biological anthropology was around.
1: Yeah, phrenology, and the, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about it on the show a little bit—the very sort of racist practice mm-hmm. of um, categorizing humans and in their inferiority of races by the shapes of their skull.
2: Right. Oh, uh, look at this skull. Um, well, they're, they're, it's not not basically Western and European shaped. We think right. it has some weird ridge. Um, so they're an inferior race. Yeah, they extended all that onto Neanderthals because if you think, you know, if you if you're comparing like human Homo sapiens skulls yeah. to one another and somehow finding inferiority or superiority in that in the shapes of those, when you compare. A Neanderthal skull yeah. to a human skull. Clearly, the human skull is much more refined and developed. The Neanderthals must have been these dim-witted brutes. Yep, the caveman. Like the whole reason we think of the caveman mm-hmm. and Neanderthals as big dummies and and oafs is because they were discovered during a time of racist science.
1: Yeah, and that was the view that was held, and it, it's still held by some people who don't know better. Mm-hmm. This is why we're doing that, you know, one reason why we're doing this episode. But it was held for a couple of hundred years. Uh, but in the recent decades, mm-hmm. things have changed. Our picture of the Neanderthal has changed uh, because of um, science sure. and research. Yeah. And we now know that... Uh, well, a lot of cool things. I don't want to spoil it yet.
2: Okay. Yeah, I was wondering if that was too much of the beans getting out. I think so. Okay. Let's tease that out. That's fine with me. So, uh, we'll just sit here quietly for a second as we go <laughs> past this. Okay.
1: All right. We ready? Yeah. All right. So the uh, the current uh, story, like the simple version of the current story, is uh, the the Neanderthal and the I mean, should we just say the modern human or Homo sapiens? Sapiens. Sapiens.
2: That's how I was like, How? because they're both humans. Yeah. But they're just two different species of human. Sapiens. Neanderthal and
1: sapiens. All right. So they separated uh, between a half a million and about 650,000 years ago. And they both um, diverge from a common branch, um, H. heidelbergensis. Bergensis. I think the G is hard. Bergensis.
2: I'm pretty sure that's right.
1: H. heidelbergensis. Yeah. All right, that sounds right. Yeah, uh, and this was in Africa,
2: right? That's where the divergence happened. That's right. Um, then, so either the divi- the divergence happened in Africa, or some Heidelbergensis stayed in Africa and some spread out of Africa, right, to into, Eurasia, yeah, into the Old World in in Asia, <clears throat> and over time, because of the separation, these groups of humans started branching out and developing into distinct species. One of the species, the first one to develop into a distinct species from this branch, was Neanderthals. And by at least 400,000 years ago, Mm -hmm. there were Neanderthals running around, like distinct species of humans called Neanderthals.
1: Yeah, and they were developing independently because they were very far from each other and they didn't, uh, for a very long time, did not have... Very much, if any, contact with one another.
2: Yeah. Remember, we did an episode on speciation. Yeah. Uh, where, like, brown bears and polar bears used to be the same bear, mm-hmm. but the polar bears started drifting further and further north, and they actually adapted to a different climate, a different habitat, so much so that they became a different species. That's the exact same thing that we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Heidelbergensis drifted into two different parts, Africa and Europe, and the climate and the habitat was different enough that it split into two different species.
1: Yeah, so what you've got in Eurasia uh, is a range from like Portugal and Wales uh, in the west over to like Siberia. This
2: is for Neanderthals, right?
1: Yeah, Yeah. in the east. So that was their Mm -hmm. range in general.
2: And all the way down to the Middle East.
1: Yeah. It was a huge range. Yeah, Yeah, very big range. Um, The biggest. (laughs) Uh, they were shorter than sapiens uh, that were still in Africa. They were kind of stockier. They had bigger brains. They uh, were, by most accounts, stronger, more muscular. Oh, yeah. Had wider hips and shoulders. Sturdier bones. Very sturdy, just stocky, robust things.
2: You would not want to mess with the Neanderthal.
1: No, and they were very adaptable. They uh, they lived in very cold environments. Uh, They lived in very sort of warm temperate environments.
2: So it depends on the time. This is what they think. They think that that range that was so huge for the Neanderthals, there wasn't necessarily Neanderthals living in all parts of that range at the same time for 400,000 years or 350,000 years. Right. They think that over time, some Neanderthal populations died and others came along and replaced them. And then some of them moved down here and mm-hmm. some of them were over here. And that they may have lived in different parts of the world at the same time, but not necessarily their entire range. Right. All at once for the whole 350,000 years. They moved yeah. a lot.
1: And nor did they move all together as whole populations. Right. It was a lot of local extinctions. Mm-hmm. And uh, recolonizations going on, right? They
2: think. Exactly. So it's almost like if you could look at the map of Eurasia on a time lapse over 350,000 years that Neanderthals were around yeah. in the area, you would just kind of see these little populations kind of growing and popping and, and dissolving and then picking up again. And these are actually new groups going into areas. Becoming like dying out for one reason or another, and then a thousand or ten thousand years later, there's another group that says, "Oh, this is a great spot." And showing up, kind of like our um, real Atlantis episode. Remember, there was mm-hmm. like like twelve feet yeah, of yeah. like fifty different settlements over uh-huh. thousands and thousands of years because they're just like this is a great place to settle. Yeah. But each one had no idea that the last one was there. Amazing. Same thing with the Neanderthal range.
1: So the the Neanderthals are doing their thing all over Eurasia. Meanwhile, back in Africa, in East Africa, you've got the Sapien doing their thing. Mm -hmm. And then they start to radiate out a little bit. The Sapiens. The Sapiens. And then get, uh, obviously, the Middle East would be a pretty logical next place to go from Africa. Right. And they happen upon the Neanderthal. And they're like, wow we wow (laughs) Who are are you? Yeah. (laughs) And then they were all of a sudden sharing space together.
2: Right. Starting about 100,000 years ago in the Middle East.
1: In the Middle East. Right. And then in Europe, they shared space for 200 to 500 generations.
2: Yeah. They, a long they, time. Just like the Neanderthals spread out, the, the sapiens basically followed the same path, but there were already people there. It was Neanderthals. And um, yeah, 200 generations, 500 generations, between 4,000 and 10,000
1: years. It's a very long time to share space.
2: It really is. Like that many generations that, that, of just living in the same place. The thing is, is over the lifespan of the Neanderthals, mm-hmm. 350,000 years, 4,000 years is nothing. It's the blink of an eye. Yeah. And around the time about, so say humans or sapiens showed up in Europe about 42,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. About 40,000 years ago, something give or take a few thousand years, Neanderthals just vanished.
1: Did they melt? We don't know. Remember that old theory? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they melted. That was like eight, nine years ago. That was great. Good callback. So uh, I think that's a good place for a break. Yeah. And we'll talk about what happened right after this.
0: Well, now when you're on the road, driving in your truck, why not learn a thing or two from Josh and Chuck? It's Stuff You Should Know. Stuff you should know. All right.
2: All right, game off.
1: All right, so uh, appearance of hu- of sapiens in Europe before this um, disappearance of Neanderthals for a very long time, everyone basically just had one of two theories: either that sapiens killed them off, right, or that they were just uh, so smart that they outcompeted them for resources mm-hmm. and they went away. And that was it's known as the replacement model or the recent African origin model, right? And people were all on that train.
2: Some people still very much are. Oh really? Oh yeah. Yeah, in academia, not just not just, you know, the oh, general I'm,
1: public. I say boo to that.
2: I agree. And it seems like there are people who are kind of chipping away at that, but I believe yeah. the replacement model is the dominant model for really? what happened to the Neanderthals. It basically says humans, Homo sapiens came along and our brains are so much smarter. We were capable <clears throat> of things that Neanderthals couldn't even dream of. Right. Um things like culture and art and all sorts of things. Right. Um language, yeah. probably um that the Neanderthals just didn't stand a chance once right. the sapiens showed up, it was like, progress is here. go ahead and die, and either directly by killing them via warfare or like you said, just out competing them, that was it for the Neanderthals, and the timing is definitely well, sure, suspect, you yeah. know, like and I think that's <laughs> what a lot of people have clomped onto is, yeah, humans show up a couple thousand years. Neanderthals are gone,
1: yeah, it makes sense, um. Uh, on the surface, right, but in uh, two thousand and ten there was some a pretty startling discovery. Um, they fully sequenced a Neanderthal genome,
2: which is amazing,
1: super amazing, and we found out, wait a minute, us sapiens, some of us have Neanderthal DNA in our bodies, are
2: our Neanderthals ourselves,
1: yeah, about depending on where you're from and your ethnic background, but uh, if you're European or Asian. Uh, you have a pretty good likelihood of being one to four percent Neanderthal as far as your DNA goes. Right. Um, in sub-Saharan Africa, there's not any, obviously, because that's where the sapiens were all, uh, you know, hanging out and doing their thing.
2: Right. They hadn't migrated out and intermixed with the sap- with the uh, Neanderthals.
1: So you know what that means? That means that time period where they were all sharing space. Uh-huh. They were also sharing space. There was like a lot of... <laughs> Do you know what I'm ear, saying? Ear. <laughs> they were making love. Oh, that, yeah. Tuk-tuk uh, would make love and create little baby tuk-tuks. Right.
2: We have to say for, just to keep it grounded, we're not exactly sure what kind of uh, circumstances that making love took.
1: No, you're right. It could have uh, been mistaken identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the brutal scenario, which is probably the most likely, is that they came in by force. And there was, like, raping and pillaging going on. But
2: the thing is, we don't know that that's necessarily likely.
1: I don't know. We
2: we honestly have such a little understanding of Neanderthals. We have no idea. They might have been
1: hippies. But we got to throw that out there. Sure. uh, As one of the obvious possibilities.
2: Yeah, as much as you want to just be like, oh, that's so awesome. The Neanderthals were there. The humans showed up. And rather than humans killing off Neanderthals saying, get out of here, you old archaic humans. Mm -hmm. They said, let's get it on.
1: Well not only let's get on let's 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 share resources let's teach each other things yeah let's explore life together right and let's Neanderthals try to make go of it didn't go away they just got absorbed and because there were far more sapiens mm-hmm. uh, their traits just you know sort of got weeded out over the years for the most part
2: so this is the rival to that um, replacement model—that's the dominant model. This is called the multi-regional evolution model. Yeah, and it says basically what you just said that Neanderthals and humans did it so much mm-hmm. that the hybrid human Neanderthals that were um, that were born as offspring—they mm-hmm. um, they mated with. Other Neanderthals or other humans, but because there were more sapiens, I'm sorry, more sapiens than there were Neanderthals, the likelihood was that a, a hybrid would be much more likely to mate with a sapient. and then that hybrid would be uh, even more watered down Neanderthal, and then over time, because of we're this down to one to four breeding, percent, exactly. Yeah, and Neanderthals didn't die off; they didn't get chased out; they just became part of that larger human genome.
1: So there's another theory, too, that's interesting, or another interpretation. I guess it's not a theory. And this has to do with climate change. Um, They did a study in, in, well, this year, actually, 2019.
2: Yeah, it's hot off the presses.
1: uh, In France. And they discovered that all you need over the course of about 10,000 years is about a 2.7 decrease in fertility rates um, to go bye-bye.
2: 10,000 years. For a decrease in um, first-time young Neanderthal mothers, that population.
1: And they said cut that in half, basically, or close to it. Within 4,000 years, you would need only an 8% decrease in fertility in that same group. So it's very – it makes a lot of sense that with a little bit of climate change and a little bit of scarcity Mm -hmm. and uh, just – it didn't have to be anything drastic. But over that amount of time, if you – uh, don't have any, as many calories going into your body you're your first-time under-20-year-old uh, Neanderthal mother, mm-hmm. you're not going to be successful and you're not going to be as fertile. And then over time, that just means you you kind of very quietly and slowly go away.
2: Yeah, I got this. I think I found this article from Live Science. And in it, they, they say, by the way, um, if the human replacement rate dropped to 1.3 uh, babies per mother, mm-hmm. We'd be gone in 300 years. Yeah. So so just a very slight drop among Neanderthals could have accounted for that 4,000 to 10,000-year uh, process of just suddenly disappearing. And again, in this this interpretation, humans didn't do anything. We didn't war with them. We yeah. didn't outcompete them. We, we didn't do anything. It was just something happened to the environment. Yeah. And it was just harder to be fertile.
1: And it wasn't all at once, maybe. It might have been staggered in different parts of the world.
2: Exactly, over over 4,000 to 10,000 years. And the reason, it wasn't that Neanderthals couldn't compete, that they couldn't survive— um, whereas humans could, because Neanderthals again, their lifespan was three hundred and fifty thousand years. Mm-hmm. Modern humans have only been around for fifty to one hundred thousand years, maybe two hundred at the outside, yeah, so Neanderthals have been around for a very long time, had been very good at adapting to, to a changing climate, basically the whole time that they were around so it 's not like they couldn 't compete or couldn 't adapt, and humans could. What they think is that there were just way more humans. Right. And so our numbers probably dropped at the same rate that Neanderthal numbers did. Right. There was just more of us to survive and carry on after things got better.
1: Yeah, and in more varied ranges in parts of the world, too. Right. That all kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. I suppose it could be uh, both of those, climate change and lovemaking. Right. Right? Very
2: easily. <laughs> yeah, they definitely go hand in hand. Like, er, er, er,
1: Should we take another break? Yeah. All right. We'll take another break and talk about uh, what we now, the, the sort of current understanding of the picture of what the Neanderthal was right after this.
0: Well, now, when you're on the road, driving in your truck, want to learn a thing or two from Josh and Chuck? It's stuff you should know. Stuff you should know. All right.
1: By the way, have you seen or heard of that movie, William?
2: Uh, no.
1: It was out in April, did not do well, was not reviewed well. But it what? it is basically a sort of mad scientist, not a mad scientist, but a scientist with a mad idea. Okay. Uh, There's a, a human Neanderthal born. They, they get the DNA, <clears throat> impregnate a modern sapien woman, uh-huh. and she has a Neanderthal boy right. named William. Okay, and he goes to high school. <laughs> I did not see that. I had no idea about that movie. Yeah, just check out the trailer. Is it good? Oh, I don't. I haven't seen it. It's oh, okay. not supposed to be very good. Gotcha. It did not look very good. Gotcha. But it was very much like you know, I just want to fit in. And he's you know, he's he's a Neanderthal. He's got the the regular haircut and the vans and the jeans and the t shirt. Oh man, he's got the the big forehead and the thick brow. <laughs> oh man.
2: <laughs> It sounds a lot like Encino Man.
1: It does, and it looks like it could be a joke, but it's real. Was
2: there that? Wow, I feel good in the middle of the trailer. Suddenly, like changes. Yeah, or tone? that scene
1: where, like, like a Teen Wolf or something, where he's really good at sports <laughs> or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Teen
2: Wolf, Encino Man, William.
1: Yeah, there's a weekend for you right there. Pretty much. Uh, I'm not going to watch it, but I just thought it'd be it'd be worth mentioning before the emails come in. Okay. So uh, the image, we're we're on a quest. I think, um, and science is on a quest to sort of rehabilitate. (laughs)
2: It's
1: funny you mention that, but uh, to rehabilitate the image of the Neanderthal as this hunched over brute Mm -hmm. oaf. Uh, Part of the problem is uh, they sort of based an an entire species on this one hunched over uh, dude. Skeleton. Skeleton. They're like, <laughs> oh, look at him. They're, they're all hunched over oaths. It's shambling. And now they're like, oh, actually, that individual may have had a degenerative bone disease. And what we now think is they just walked around like we do.
2: And probably looked a lot like we do. Yeah. Um. They think that... From like sequencing the Neanderthal genome, Uh they think that at least some of them had red hair and light-colored skin.
1: That's remarkable.
2: Which, by the way, by interbreeding um, with Neanderthals, recent arrivals from Africa, Mm -hmm. their hybrid offspring would have been conferred with um, thicker, straighter hair, a smaller, compact frame, all sorts of stuff that you would need um, in this colder climate of Eurasia, right. from having just come up from Africa over the last few generations, so there was good stuff. There was also bad stuff. They think some of the um, disease that we suffer from uh, is is actually related to Neanderthal DNA that doesn't have a context or a point or a function like it used to. Yeah, and that that now it's actually producing disease in us.
1: Yeah, like the same DNA, like they could have had. The same things that we associate with diabetes and Crohn's, but it would have, but produced... didn't affect them like it does us. Yeah, because there... of lifestyle and everything that mm-hmm. how we diverged. Pre- precisely, really interesting.
2: I think there's actually that's the alternative explanation for the hygiene
1: hypothesis:
2: Neanderthal uh, DNA.
1: I did these; these both sort of linked in some ways, right there. So uh, behaviorally, it's uh, we're again we're trying to get away from this idea of cavemen. Uh, and things that we thought were strictly sapien over the years, it Mm -hmm. turns out that Neanderthals were actually good at, like making tools. Uh, And this really interesting technique, uh, the levallois technique, which is basically I am in the area where I have the resources to make all the tools, Mm -hmm. but we got to pack up and leave, and we don't know if we're going to have this stuff there.
2: Yeah, there's some dinosaurs after us.
1: Yeah, so like the, the very like raw resource, like let's say it's just a certain type of stone. So we're going to pre-shape all these things into sort of a rudimentary uh, a rudimentary tool that we can later make into a hammer right. or a chisel, like depending on what we need. Yeah. But we're going to kind of sort of pre-shape them here, pack them up and take them all with us. So we'll have this little factory that we can set up anywhere we want, depending right. on what we need. Yeah. That's smart.
2: It is. And it's a technological innovation that is definitely attributed to the Neanderthals. Like, they came up with that. It's awesome. And tool making, like, we knew that older, archaic humans were good with tools going back probably a million or so years. Yeah. Chimps use tools. They use termite sticks. So, people are saying, like, great. Like, the Neanderthals, like, created (laughs) some sort of, like, new technology, some new tool culture. Yeah. Um, Who cares? It still doesn't make them smart. (laughs) But there's other stuff we found out about Neanderthals that we started that have really kind of changed our view of them. Because they're doing things, or they, we found out they're capable of things that that are supposed to. Those are the things that make humans humans. Like right. Neanderthals aren't supposed to have been doing this, but the more evidence we're getting, the the, the f- with the fresher eyes we're looking at existing evidence, it's starting to look like they were behaviorally yeah. modern, like humans. Or there's a really good chance that they were.
1: Yeah, like the Sapes. Yeah, uh, they right. could they could spark fire. So the old notion, like Quest for Fire, that they just had to sit around and wait for lightning to strike a bush uh, is not true. Uh, They use that fire to cook food. They think. They think, which is a big deal.
2: That's open to interpretation stuff.
1: Um, What else? They know uh, from studying the the injuries on the animals that they hunted that they were very intelligent hunters, and they killed big, big animals at close range, which meant that they were skilled, that they understood risk. That they were brave and that they uh, will get into communication more, but you got to be communicating too to do something like that. Yeah, because
2: they would hunt in packs. Yeah. But they would do it in close range. They do hunt in packs. (laughs) And, (laughs) oh, is that the velociraptor? Oh, I think so. Um, Jurassic Park. Right. Uh, The, uh, while it threw me off. Sorry. You think I'd be expecting it in this episode, (laughs) though,
1: you know? It wasn't they do hunt in packs, though. It was, uh, I was just appropriating that line. But what was it? Oh, man. They do travel in.
2: They do pack lightly.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was it. Okay.
2: <laughs> so um, the fact that these guys would take on reindeer and bison and and mammoths yeah. at close range with like spears and javelins and like, you know, some, some hand-to-hand combat type stuff has really kind of undermined that that replacement model idea, that humans came in and just killed off all the Neanderthals.
1: Right, because they just stood no chance.
2: They, right. Neanderthals were tough, tough Mos
1: Yes, tough moes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the big ones here, and this is where it gets super interesting, I think, to me, is the the use of symbols. Uh, that is something that we thought was very much sapien, very sapy.
2: Right. If if they can, if they if we can show that Neanderthals understood symbols yes. and had that kind of higher thought, uh-huh. that would make them behaviorally equivalent to humans.
1: Yeah, and In, we're talking like anything. sapiens, Sorry. F- yeah, the sapes. Uh, we're talking anything from making a, like a necklace out of beads uh-huh. to wear, like an adornment, to, right. to using uh, like pigments on the face, yep. like the precursor to makeup and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, and humans have been shown to. um to have been doing that at least for the last 80,000 years. SAPES. Yeah, I yeah. don't know why I can't get that. <laughs> um, SAPES have been doing that. Uh, there's The earliest evidence is at two sites in Ethiopia. And this is, they think it was like for, you know, identity or mm-hmm. jewelry or something mm-hmm. like that. But it is, like, that's not something you just do. Like, no. this is, there's, a, there's not necessarily a, a practical function to it. And it's a form of art, and there's ambiguous evidence that Neanderthals did this too, right? That there was body adornment, that there was that they would color themselves mm-hmm. with pigments, put on makeup, basically. But why? Right. So here's That's the a big thing. question. So that would suggest that okay, if Neanderthals do that and humans did that too, then that makes Neanderthals equivalent to humans behaviorally. Mm-hmm. But the people who are big time into the replacement model that Neanderthals were actually kind of stupid and humans are the pinnacle and, and the first example of higher intelligence, mm-hmm. um, they say, well, if you really kind of date some of the stuff that the Neanderthals made – It's probably around the time that humans showed up and it's really just Neanderthals copying what they saw humans doing, but there's no symbol, symbolism to it in in that like they could copy a shell as an ornament, but there's, it didn't have any meaning.
1: Yeah. Which is a really sort of a snotty approach. (laughs) I think so too. (laughs) Well, they might've done it, but they were just copying. Exactly.
2: No copying. (laughs) Remember that kid? Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know what that kid's doing now? He or she is running the company.
2: Is that uh, Dennis Snovin, ice cream <laughs> man- manager, ice cream factory manager?
1: So uh, cave art. Let's talk about cave art because this is this is the one thing that um, to make art is the one thing that traditionally have always separated sapes from everyone else.
2: Right. Like if everybody's saying, okay, even if Neanderthals came up with body adornments, that's not – Art. We're we're gonna raise the bar. Right. This is what the poo pooers say. That doesn't really qualify as art. Cave art is where it's at. If you can show me Neanderthals that created cave art, mm-hmm. I will agree that they are behaviorally equivalent to modern humans of their era.
1: Yeah, and they found cave art or modern the, sapiens. Man. <laughs> they found cave art at the same time that there were Neanderthals. Mm-hmm. Around caves, but, um, again, it was just like, oh, well, that was the sapes. Right. That wasn't the Neanderthals doing that.
2: Right. They think that the sapiens came in and and made that cave art.
1: Right. Like, we need uh, unambiguous (laughs) proof at this point. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem. Radiocarbon dating gets unreliable after 40,000 years, and it requires organic material to date these pigments. Uh, They were using mineral pigments, not organic ones, so that was a problem.
2: That's a big problem.
1: But, and this is kind of Mm mind-blowing. In 2018, they uh, discovered, or I guess perfected a dating technique that measures the rate of decay of uranium atoms in calcite deposits. So that's what makes up stalactites and stalagmites. Mm
2: -hmm. In limestone caves.
1: Yeah. So the idea is if you find cave art, sort of like the mosquito caught in amber, right? It's a timestamp. If you find cave art that's underneath uh. Some of this uh, deposits that have dripped down over it and uh-huh. encased it, uh-huh. and you can date that. Then you know how old that cave art is.
2: Yeah, because the cave art's under the calcite. And yeah. If you know how old the ca- the calcite is, then the cave art has to be at least as old or slightly older than that earliest deposit of calcite. And
1: what's what's the big secret? What's well, there the was surprise?
2: there was a, a study in 2018 that found that some cave art in ca- in a cave in Spain. It was created 64,000 years ago. What? A full 20,000 plus years before Homo sapiens showed up in the area, which means that it had to have been Neanderthals that created this cave art. Do you know what the poo -poo pooers said? What? That's not really art. What? Swear to God! Are you serious? He's like some hand stencils and some dots on the wall. That doesn't count.
1: Uh, that's the first art. Yeah, I know. That kids do this is guys, tracing their hand to make a turkey.
2: They are really holding on for dear life, but it. it, it some people are really yeah. swimming against this current. Like they do not want the idea uh, that humans are not uniquely um, uh, special. I guess huh. in that sense, that uh, people have been thinking that it was humans and only right, right. Homo sapiens that have the ability to create art and think symbolically, um, and it's starting to look like that's not the case. Not only that that not it's not just humans, and that maybe Neanderthals did too, but that it's possible that this kind of stuff evolved even further back, and that Heidelbergensis, right. our less common ancestor, running around 700,000 years ago, yeah, I was doing may have created art and yeah. may have been doing all this other stuff too that makes us uniquely human.
1: Huh. Well, um, Another one is music. Uh, they have found uh, bones uh, from cave bears in Southeast Europe mm-hmm. that had these holes. And they are like, hey, looks like a flute to me. <laughs> he plays and, like a flute. <laughs> sounds like a flute. Yeah. Um, so it's Jethro Tull. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: that is so good. I'm
1: so glad that they added <laughs> flute to their so their <laughs> outfit. Not many uh, groups. Marshall Tucker Band yeah. had the flute. And here's a little something for you. I may have told this story, but I was in uh, our little local market getting some food about two years ago. (laughs) Remember that? Yeah. And there was a guy in a band, uh, clearly, and he was like, uh, play flute for Marshall Tucker. Uh Uh-huh. I was like, are you kidding?
2: (laughs) No, I'm not, sir.
1: Like, you're one of the two most famous flautists in rock music. Sure. But it wasn't the original guy, I found out. Still plays flute for Marshall Tucker. Agreed. Just because he didn't write those flute parts. Right. Doesn't make him any less of a flautist.
2: He could still play.
1: Yeah. So, uh... Anyway, they uh the the naysayers with the flute are just like, "Oh, no, man. Those are just uh they were bones uh, chomped on by hyena teeth."
2: Yeah, the the flute holes, the finger holes are teeth teeth marks.
1: Yeah. And sure you can play aqualung on it, but <laughs> that's just cuz the hyenas. Right. And their teeth marks. Sure. Right.
2: Um there's a uh, there's also really good evidence Cumulative evidence. Oh, there's one other thing about the cave art that we didn't say.
1: Oh, the kind of sculpture? Uh,
2: well, that was one thing. They, they found what looks to be stalactite, like purposeful arrangements of stalactites in a cave that's from 176,000 yeah, years that's ago. That's sculpture. Right. Um, but no, there are other similar cave art paintings in Spanish caves. Mm-hmm. Are um, in different places, so they think it was an actual part of Neanderthal culture. This wasn't one particularly imaginative Neanderthal who right. happened to leave it behind. Yes,
1: and it even said, "This is art, love, tuk tuk." Right, and they still me, don't believe it. Find me on
2: Insta <laughs> at tuk tuk. Oh, if only. Um, so the the other thing that there's a lot of amassed evidence for is that Neanderthals appeared to have buried. Yeah. They're dead. This is pretty cool. This is enormous because, okay, not only can they think symbolically in like art and creating representations of things that may or may not exist, they can, they're can. they thinking about something coming after this. You don't just bury a corpse for many reasons other than... Um, spiritual reasons. I mean, you can to keep, like, you know, uh, the wolves away because you're going to camp mm-hmm. near the corpse. But if you're a hunter-gatherer, you just move camp, and you can leave the person laying right. out there in the bush by for the wolves to take. It doesn't matter because there's no afterlife. If you bury somebody, it indicates you're thinking about something yeah. beyond this life, and that is definitely higher-level thinking.
1: Yeah, and when we say bury, we don't mean they just found this body, like, on the floor of a deep cave, like they dug a hole mm-hmm. and placed a body in there,
2: positioned them in a specific way.
1: Yeah, they Hold. found yeah different like grave sites, basically mm-hmm. like cemeteries of right. bodies buried in the same manner. Yeah, uh, and they even found in northern Iraq uh, pollen, flower pollen, mm-hmm. which clearly suggests that they buried them with flowers.
2: They, they definitely seems to uh, yeah. that's like a, uh, that's a funerary
1: rite. unless it was just an accident and they just dropped a bunch of flowers on the way out. The which door. I
2: mean it's possible, but it seems unlikely.
1: I don't know if I'm being naive, but I really want to believe this.
2: Yeah. Well, it's nice. It's refreshing to, to think about, you know, humans don't have to have or, or sapiens don't have to have the market corner. We can share and it. humanity?
1: Yeah. Here's another one. Um, if they were just brutes who, you know, who who didn't have any capacity to understand things or take care of one another, they found individuals and in, one in particular – uh, that was deaf, mm-hmm. uh, likely visually impaired because of a blow to the head from uh, as a ute.
2: Probably from a sapien.
1: Maybe, yeah. <laughs> uh, was missing his right hand and then suffered a disease that reduced his mobility. And they found this uh, person lived into his 40s.
2: Maybe up to 50.
1: Yeah, which there's no way this person would have survived without a community of people taking care of and making sure that this person survived and ate. And got around and moved along with them. Yeah, because so they I mean, cared for one another and tried to heal one another. Right? Yeah, they took
2: care of their sick, their injured, their um, their disabled, their ill. Um, they like they took they, they shared resources with them. People who couldn't necessarily contribute. Yes. still got stuff from the from the community, which suggests this a, a tight knit social group that cared for one another.
1: And then what about language?
2: So this one just knocked my socks off. There are these Dutch researchers. Who uh, wrote a paper that argued that um, Neanderthals almost certainly spoke a, a nuanced language mm-hmm. that we would recognize as a modern language, right? Um, and that not only did Neanderthals speak this, speak their own language, probably Heidelbergensis, <coughs> and maybe even further back in our, our archaic family line, spoke language too. Mm-hmm. And that if that's true, if that's the case, Neanderthals had their own language. And human humans absorb Neanderthals both culturally and genetically. Mm-hmm. It's entirely possible that there are traces of Neanderthal language that still appear in our languages that are spoken around the world today, amazing. unbeknownst to us.
1: Man, if they could find out those words, isn't
2: that amazing?
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool.
2: <sighs> I love that. Oh, I like all this. Love you, Neanderthals. Love yeah. you, sapiens.
1: Love you, tuk tuk. And uh, I think I used to just throw tuk tuk around in various ways.
2: But then you developed a taste for watching him make love.
1: <laughs> That's right. But let me just from this point forward, Tuktuk is clearly uh deep? No, clearly Neanderthal. Oh, oh! I, see I think I had mean. kind of just threw Tuk name you. around as right. any kind of early man.
2: Yeah, he could have been Captain Caveman. He could have been the Geico Caveman.
1: Yeah, but Who no. cares he, he could be William for all I know.
2: You know, I thought about I thought about it. The so Tuk is officially Neanderthal. Yes. Okay. Um, the Geico Caveman mm-hmm. is actually a really good. Parable for the struggle between the interpretation of (laughs) Neanderthals today. Like Uh everybody's like, it's so easy a caveman could do it. And this guy's playing like squash and driving a Porsche. Yeah. Do you remember their their short lived TV show?
1: Uh, I remember that it existed, but I never saw it.
2: They drove one of them, drove a Porsche.
1: Yeah. And now a word from Geico.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, if you want to know more about Neanderthals, start reading up about it. And there's a pretty amazing exhibit funded by one of the Koch brothers, if I'm not mistaken, at the yes. Smithsonian, where you can see a real live Neanderthal skeleton.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm.
2: Pretty beautiful.
1: Um, What's their angle? <laughs>
2: yeah, right. <laughs> is something. Maybe maybe they're trying to rehabilitate Neanderthals for some reason. Yeah, I'm to sure. bring them back as exploited workers. Uh, and since I just said something about the Koch brothers, it's time for Go ahead. Administrative Administrative details. Okay, Chuck. As I said, it's time for administrative Administrative details.
1: Is this like a family guy where you're just going to do that like 30 (laughs) times? No, no. All right. We're going to start this one off. This is when we thank listeners for sending in kindnesses to us. And uh, Michelle from Crown Royal oh yes once again the the booze company that just keeps giving I know they just keep us in booze Thanks a lot for that and I just wrote down more booze yep but uh, we'll go ahead and plug the Crown Royal rye.
2: What about those um those glasses they gave us Oh like, those are nice those, so they're like these uh, the rocks glasses tumblers yeah um, got a good heft to them nice shape nice size thick bottom and then yeah in that thick bottom thICC bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, There is a laser etched Crown Royal 3D logo, which is like so classy, your pinky can't touch the glass. It's physically impossible. Uh Yeah. It just sticks (laughs) straight up in the air when you're drinking out of these glasses.
1: Oh, a lot of research went into that design, Mm. you know, to make sure that pinky was nowhere near the glass. (laughs)
2: Exactly. Um, Aaron Clark, speaking of pinkies, Aaron Clark sent us a Twinkie the Kid statue. Thanks, Aaron. Well, that's right.
1: Yep. Um, Monica and, uh, Kame in Fukushima, Japan oh. sent us a nice, very nice handwritten letter and some Fuku stuff, pins, stickers, calendars, magazine. Oh. Oh, where? Uh, it's, uh, I got it at the desk. I okay. didn't share that with you. No, I need All to right, pick share that up. You. And they said, uh, things are much better now. Good. That's cryptic, but yes.
2: Good. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, so, uh, th- we haven't done this in a little while. I want to say thank you very much for the Christmas cards from Heather Kay in Sri Lanka, and one from Renee and Eric Chester. It's very kind of you guys.
1: Here's one, maybe the weirdest thing we've ever gotten, but oh, one boy. of the most awesome. Uh, Scott Bordelon, remember our Wendy's Chili Finger episode? Uh huh. He sent us Wendy's Chili from that Wendy's. Wow. <laughs> I think you're out of town. Yeah. Uh, it obviously was no good by the time it got to me, even. Yeah. And he was like, I know this is not, I'm not expecting you to eat this. But eat it. But he taped it up and he was like, this is chili from that very Wendy's. That's amazing. And he just thought it would be kind of fun. That is amazing. And it was, Thanks, it was Scott. Great.
2: <laughs> you may be right. That may be the weirdest thing we've he shipped ever got. just chili. You know. Yeah.
1: But not even freeze dried.
2: Uh, and then there's Brooke Bergen. Mm-hmm. Send a T-shirt and stickers of his work, and you can check out his very, very awesome work. I believe his, uh, it could be a girl, um, and you can check out their awesome work at Brooks Bergen, B-R-O-O-K-S B-U-R-G-A-N dot com.
1: That's right, Thanks, and that Brooke. that raises a point. If you want to uh, uh, send us the pronoun you identify with, we are more than happy to abide by that. Sure, uh, Claire Sanchez and us King Cakes. Oh yeah, very simple. Uh, Delicious.
2: Yeah. Teresa sent us really awesome quilted, hand-quilted postcards. Oh, that's right. Yeah, beautiful. Again, we haven't done this in a while. Sorry for everybody who's been sitting around waiting, having to listen to every episode just on the (laughs) off chance that administrative details is on.
1: So everyone, Jerry, just stopped us right in the middle and said, I have one. (laughs) We always go on and on about Jerry and her miso. Sure. Uh, Big ups to Adam Brenton in Japan. Sent Jerry some miso. Yeah. How about that? Way to go, Adam. Jerry got her own gift after eleven years. After all this time. Got her very own gift. And meaning we didn't also get miso. Right, sure. And we even asked and she's hoarding it.
2: Yeah, because we share with Jerry. She doesn't she not go both ways. We try to. Yeah. Uh so let's see, Joanna sent us delicious beer chocolates. Remember those? Oh yeah. Um she brought them to our Portland show, I believe. Yeah? Yeah, and they were awesome. So thanks a lot, That's Joanna. Right. You don't uh, remember them because they were beer chocolates.
1: <laughs> Tammy and Justin sent us miniature clay figures, hand-painted, which is very, very sweet, along with a very nice letter.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a postcard from Vienna. Probably not Vienna, Georgia. I think it was Vienna, Austria, like mm-hmm. the real one.
1: Very nice. From Pauline. Mm-hmm.
2: So thanks a lot, Pauline.
1: Uh, Michelle and Nevin of Smithtown, New York, sent us a wedding invitation. Um, happy marriage, guys. Mazel tov. Uh, And then we got a thank you note from Mitch,
2: M-I-C-H, but it rhymes with Rich. So thank you for the thank you note, Mitch.
1: Uh, Lowell Hutchison sent us some, uh, oh, these are wonderful, some hand-lathed pins.
2: Yeah, remember, Lowell's the one who sponsored our, she's one of our elephant sponsors.
1: Yeah, yeah, hand-painted wood-lathed pins. Yeah. Man, very, very beautiful. And on that note, we, we actually got a lot of pins. And I don't think I wrote all of them down because we did our episode on pens. Yeah. And people felt compelled to send us their favorite pen and spread the pen love. So if we forgot your pen, uh, big apologies.
2: Yeah, for real. That was a very nice COA. Yeah. And by the way, also, again, um, you can check out Lowell's uh, Turned Wood Creations. Mm-hmm. And by the way, she donates 20% of all sales to the David Sheldrick Wildlife Trust, too. So go to etsy.com slash shop. Slash L O W E L L H U T C H D E S I G N S.
1: Wonderful. Okay. Uh, Joe Gather Cole sent us t shirts and CDs from his horror punk band, Headstone Horrors. It's a great name. Yeah. Uh, and then let's see. I've only got. I got three more. Okay, I've got
2: a book from Nick Kemper. Thanks a lot for the book, Nick. That is beautiful of you.
1: Uh, Mike Ennis, and it's a box of coffee crisps, and they are delicious.
2: And they are long gone.
1: Yeah, I can attest. They are very yummy. Thanks, uh, Mike.
2: And then uh, we got a an amazing illustration of Us with a Peacock by Callie. Thanks oh, for right. that. Yeah, it's a great one.
1: Uh, all right, I got two more. Um, Adam Ressus and us Megalodon teeth. Yes. <laughs> they were pretty awesome. Yeah, they are. And large. Yep. As you would expect. You got another one? I'm done. All right. My last one then, uh, Kathy Hutton sent us some dog collars. Uh, She works for a nonprofit spay and neuter clinic in Washington State. Uh, Curly-Tailed Hawk is who makes these collars, and they donate a dollar from every collar. And you can just go to curlytailedhawk.com and get your dog a new collar already. And some of that money will go to uh, the spay and neuter, uh, neuter clinic, which is great.
2: There you go. Well, thank you everybody. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you don't have to send us anything. You can just say hi. Go on to our social networks and you can find all the links at stuffyoushouldknow.com. You can also send us an email to stuffpodcast at iHeartRadio.com.
0: Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
2: Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today.